77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. She may be the face. I like it. Yes, I like it. The Cure, great song. Nice job, Lou Rapino. 744. You're gorgeous. Gonna be a hot one today, Thursday morning, close to 90 here in New York. I think Fonzie's coming on Tuesday. Is that uh, right, Justin? Henry Winkler? Yeah, that's correct. But he's not coming out to talk about happy days because, well, that's been over for a couple of weeks. No. <laughs> he's in this show, Barry. Yeah, he's good in it, too. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, I'm actually caught up on Barry. No, you're not. Yes, I am. You should watch it. Maybe you should do the interview. Because I've seen three episodes. Maybe I will. I just want to ask him, you know, about him banging Marion Ross. and. You're not going to ask him what it was like to be the Paz. Yeah, that's all I care about. Yeah, that's all all literally anybody cares about. I know. Barry. I mean, God. (laughs) I mean, first of all, he he is one of the the most annoying liberals ever, Fonzie. You know, he's a Jewish guy and uh, wants to be Italian, a lot like me. But he's a liberal. And then, uh, you know, he was great in the movie Night Shift. Yeah, he was. Which is a Ron Howard movie. He was great on him and Michael Keaton. But uh, Barry, I mean, my God. i got to ask Art Sears if I could spend one question on Barry and the rest on, you know, the real stuff. Potsy, you know, Ralph Mouth, Joni and Chachi. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, exactly what that was like on the set of that movie. (laughs) Shelley Long, a hip-naked Shelley Long. He's going to enjoy... Entertaining questions about night <laughs> yeah. shift from yeah. thirty-five years ago. Well, he's been on with me before, and I think he he he, uh, he was okay. He wasn't great, yeah. but he's the fun. So right. Yeah. My next guest is great. He's on every Thursday at this time. Long career of television and radio. My good friend Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge, happy Thursday morning. How are you, buddy? Good. Uh, how are you, my man? Missed you uh, last week. It was great to be on with the Catman and Dominic, but uh, there's only one Sid. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. I actually called in uh, that day when you were on uh, live with uh, John, Dominic, and Chad from, uh, I was in, I think I was still in Wales that day, not London yet. Yes. But I went to yeah. see my daughter. Yeah, yeah. But listen, yeah. Uh, I just had Niles Faraj on. We talked about the coronation for the king coming up, but... I did spend time talking to him about the differences between London and New York. Really, the cities are very, very similar. More people here, obviously. 
But the difference is huge. I'm talking about filth and homeless and crime. There are no guns, of course, in London. It is just, it is really stark walking down Fidei in London or the Theater District in London and here in New York, and I don't understand why we're okay with that. So I took Mayor Eric Adams to task pretty good last night on Jesse Waters on Fox News, and the mayor's a friend of mine, but I've just about had enough, Judge. I, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I live in New Jersey now, but I'm in the city two or three times uh, a week, uh, and it seems to be uh, dirtier, more disorganized, less welcoming than I can remember. You know, I lived in Manhattan for many, many years, and it's just not the same. It's not Eric Adams' personal fault. It's just the culture of government and, and the services that it fails to provide and the culture of people and their their lack of cleanliness and concern for everybody else. I mean, I can't I can't describe it in any other way, but I fully agree with you. I got to tell you this. Yeah, I mean, George, I actually took uh, it's called the underground and or the tube. That's the subway in London. Judge, you can eat off the floors. Forgetting about yeah. homeless guys masturbating in front of you. You can eat off the floors. Yeah. Yes, I was in um uh, Switzerland, I, I spent a lot of time in Zurich. A friend of mine is a law professor there, and I, I, uh, he has me give some lectures for him. You get on the underground in Zurich. Nobody gets on until everybody gets off. Right. I mean, it is so polite, so convenient. They don't do that here. So and i got to tell you, the worst are the Asian people. God bless them. They, they just run right into me every time I try to get onto them. They don't care. They just don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Sid, everybody wants to touch you. Everybody wants <laughs> yeah, to touch you. I guess so. You were talking about hearing before. I have the opposite problem from you. My hearing is so good and so sensitive. So when I'm at Mass, for example, I complain to the priest, Father, the organ is driving me crazy. I can't stand it. He goes, you're the only one complaining. It's at a normal volume. Wow. You're gonna have to wear you're gonna have to wear earmuffs because from that little IFB, that little piece they used to put in our ears uh, at Fox all the years I was there, it made my hearing more sensitive. And the sound engineers couldn't get it low enough wow. so that it was comfortable for me. So I have literally the opposite problem that you do. Isn't I've never heard this before. I mean, yes, you do, because uh, nine and a half out of ten people, like Steve Summers, for example, the brilliant WFAN legend, he can hear, I can hear, 22 years of these cans in my ears doing oh, radio. Yeah. You're the only guy that's the other extreme. I've never heard that before. I'm going to tell you a secret. Brian Kilmeade, super jock, wonderful human being. Yes. Own death. Deaf as can be. I mean, the two of us did radio together. The only thing we fought over was the volume <laughs> in studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're right him. about I him, though. I talked to my ear doctor, yeah. brilliant, brilliant guy named Chris Sharry at Hackensack University Medical Center. He's got a number of patents on devices they use to fix the ears. And he said that this happens to about 10% of people in our business. 90% suffer the way you and Brian do, 10% uh, the way I do. It's uh, It's very strange. I'm not sure which is worse. <laughs> no, they're, they're, you're right. There, any extreme is no good, right? Whether we're talking our ears or politics, we like we like to have things in moderation, Judge Napolitano, and that brings us to the extremes that Alvin Bragg is going through to 
to put Donald Trump away. Whatever the hell he's trying to do, I don't know. But it was great to see Jim Jordan, my friend Jim Jordan, and the folks in the house there go after Alvin Bragg. Now, Alan Dershowitz was on this station a couple of days ago with Katsimatidis, and he was asked, you know, can Jim Jordan do this? And Alan Dershowitz seemed to think he was not 100% positive, but he seemed to think they could do this. Bragg is suing Jim Jordan. Jordan says, I don't care what coming after you. What are your thoughts and, and the legal issues uh, between right, so, Bragg and Jordan? So there, there's two legal issues here. One is, can Jordan hold these hearings in New York, and can he investigate whatever he wants? And that's an easy answer. The answer is yes, he can hold uh, a hearing of the House Judiciary Committee wherever he wants. So i got to tell you, at the outset, like you, I'm a fan of Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is an opponent of the Patriot Act. I'm an opponent of the Patriot Act. Jim Jordan is an opponent of the FBI warrantless spying. I'm an opponent of that. Jim Jones, uh, Jim Jordan is in a, God have mercy on me, Jim Jones. Jim Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about two completely different guys. <laughs> correct, correct. Jim Jordan is in a position to stop all of that stuff when it expires and needs to be uh, uh, reenacted, and I think he's going to do the right thing. The Congress can investigate anything it wants. The courts are clear on that. However, and this is where I'm a little closer to my friend Professor Dershowitz, the Congress cannot interfere in a state prosecution. The, the, the courts are very clear on that, and the Congress itself has written statutes that prohibit it and prohibit federal courts from interfering with state prosecutions. So I think Alvin Bragg's application to quash, as in squash, the subpoena that Jim Jordan sent to Alvin Bragg's former assistant, I think that motion is going to be granted. Once the trial of Trump is over, or however it ends, and and I wish it weren't happening, I'm in the same camp as you on this, Um, once it's over, they can investigate anything they want. But they can't interfere with a criminal uh, prosecution. Nobody can interfere with a criminal prosecution without committing a crime themselves. If they could, they would do it all the time, and they would do it based on politics, not based on justice. So yesterday, our mutual friend uh, Donald Trump came out and sued Michael Cohen, I guess a half a million. It doesn't matter. It could be a half a billion. The money didn't matter. It was basically Donald Trump saying, you're not going to come after me and lie about me without me coming after you. But as far as I know... Because I spoke to Takapina yesterday. He's on his way to London. Finally, London comes up again today. He was there last night. His first grandchild may be born tomorrow, which happens to be Joe Takapina's birthday, which is a very, very big deal. Um, But I think that this case is not due back in court until, like, December. So Trump has time to sue Michael Cohen. Takapina and the guys and the lady, Susan, have a chance to look over the evidence. They have a chance to uh, file all these dismissal uh, motions of dismissal, this and that. Is that right now? Is this, does this thing not uh, hop up again until later this fall? Well, Joe uh, and his team right now are preparing probably eight or nine motions. Half of them are intended to uh, extract data, information, documents uh, from the government. In most states and in the federal system, the government hands you everything it has. It it virtually gives you its file. In New York, you've got to pull teeth. That's not Alvin Bragg's fault. That's been the law in New York uh, for 120 years. So half those motions are intended to get information out of Bragg. And the more information they get, the more applications they're going to make. So that's a sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The other motions that Joe's people are working on – 
are motions to dismiss. The theory of these cases is you want to force the judge to make as many decisions as you can. You want to bury the judge with motions. Give right. him 30, 40, 50 decisions. <laughs> to, why? Because the more decisions he makes, the greater chances are he'll make a mistake. And when he makes the mistake, there's your appealable uh, issue. So that's what Joe's doing now. Those motions are due in April. Excuse me, in August. The government's responses are due in December. Got it. In in in, the, in September. In December, we have the oral argument. Trump right. must be there. It'll be another big circus show like we had uh, two weeks ago, and the judge will rule from the bench. I want to ask you about a guest that was on right before me last night on Jesse Waters. You know, usually I'm in the green room like you've been a million times, Judge, and I'm talking to the next guest, I'm talking to the makeup girl, or I'm having coffee. I don't really pay attention, but this guy's name is Mike McCormick, and he was a former Obama and Biden stenographer. So he basically followed these two guys around everywhere, and whatever they said, he wrote it down, every briefing, even private conversations. And he's on with Waters last night before me, and he says, let me tell you something. I got the date, April 18th. April 18th, Joe Biden was aware that Hunter Biden was, A, on the board of Burisma, B, getting paid. So all these stories that Hunter told Amy Robach, my dad knows nothing, that Biden told everybody, my dad knows nothing. For as good as Tony Bobulinski was with Tucker Carlson, this second whistleblower, this guy Mike McCormick last night, Judge, was even more believable. He says, if the FBI returns my call, which they haven't done, they haven't done, I have enough evidence to not just impeach Joe Biden, but put him in prison. What do you think about that? I wish the FBI would return the call. Well, why I mean, don't they? Why don't they? I, He's not going to lie to the FBI. He could be put in prison without himself. Why don't they return the call? Because this is not the FBI that you and I knew as kids or or even existed prior to the present era. This is a political FBI. It was a political FBI. Even when Donald Trump was president of the United States, he was their target. It's now a political FBI. They've gone from being um, a sword against Trump to being a shield for Joe Biden. They are a bunch of political liberals who have politicized the FBI, uh, and their goal is the vindication of their politics. Their goal is not justice. Now, I realize I'm speaking in generalities. There are great FBI agents. You know that. You and I have worked with great FBI agents. I would put my my uh, property, my health, my life in their hands. I got to tell but, you, John, John oh, Katsimatidis, right-hand man right here at Red Apple Media, the vice president, George He's a guy that spent 26 years between the DEA and the FBI. He is as good as a soul as there is of a law-abiding, terrific guy. He's more he of what the FBI is. But the guys at the top, they are rotten like bad apples. The guy you're talking about is a great human being. I know him, and I would put my life in his hands. But the culture of the FBI from the Jim Comey era up to the present is forget about the Constitution, forget about the laws, just get the job done. They don't care about their oath to uphold the Constitution. They just pursue whatever they uh, whatever they want to pursue because they know none of them are going to be punished. That culture, <clears throat> whatever corners you can, don't worry about it. We'll back you up. That culture is destroying federal law enforcement. This is why people like Trump say, half seriously, half in jest, defund the FBI. So ask me this. Um, Sid, 
Where is the FBI authorized in the Constitution? It's an easy answer. Nowhere. Right. Nowhere. Right. The frame did not want a federal police department. They wanted laws enforced by the states. Some states would enforce the laws more rigorously, some less rigorously. But there's no authorization for this federal uh, police department. It should be pared back substantially. Or it should be filled with people like guys that work with you and, and the cat man. It would be very difficult to find, <laughs> That's right. to find enough people like that. No, I know. We've run out of time here because you're so great. But I do want to compel people to read the judge's latest column. He writes great pieces. I know you heard from John Kirby just a couple of days ago. Once again, leaks coming from the Pentagon. It is unbelievable. And Kirby, by the way, is worried about journalists here in the United States, not about the Russians or the Chinese or, or North Koreans who are being provided all this information. Shows you how priorities are screwed up there, too. But at any rate, another amazing conversation, Judge. I love you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Sid. Love you, too. See you next week. I uh, can't wait. Judge Napolitano every Thursday. That's a heck of a two hours right there, folks.